somebody came in and yelled at me because the donuts were stale, it was my job to go, yeah, no, that's inexcusable. I'll get more donuts. Welcome back to Account Management, Episode 3. You got Fred Fuller here, the host, with my good friend, John Brown. John Brown, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, Fred. No, just kidding. I keep, I keep doing that. No, I'm great. How are you? I keep thinking you're listening to The Cure over there and getting all depressed. That's your way of getting <laughs> amped up for the podcast. <laughs> That's exactly right. There's a little Morrissey. Yeah, another Eddie's right. reference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and some Cure. Yeah. I think I'm we just now. Da- I think we just dated ourselves pretty significantly, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. How you we'll, been, we'll man? Do, we'll what dub you- that over. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Another good week in um in uh, the Fuller land. We uh my oldest is is venturing back to college. Wonderful. So he's starting his junior year and he's getting ready to head back up there and uh and become a college kid again. And so exceptional. Uh, I, yeah, you know, it's funny. I hate to see him go, but my wife and I are both like, because we've had him home now for a couple months, right? So we got really lucky to get a, you know, a, a kid at 20 years old to come home and, and live um, and hang, hang out with the family again. So it was really cool. Uh, but we're both in complete agreement. Like, yeah, we're going to miss him, but it's where he needs to go. It's where he needs to be, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, uh, so yeah, man, doing, doing really well here. Great. Well, what are we talking about today? Uh, last episode, we talked about the bank account. We talked about how to build relationships and how to build trust and then how you view the overall health of the relationship, right? And then you brought up the the imagery of a bank account and making deposits and, and then there's the concept of withdrawals and that's where we left it last week. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about withdrawals, the your mindset behind the bank account a little bit more, but then withdrawals and then also getting into uh, how do you make those withdrawals? Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, um, you know, last week we talked about how job number one is building relationships. We build relationships with trust. We build trust by uh, making more deposits uh, than we do withdrawals in the emotional reserve bank account of uh, of our clients. And uh, and we covered all of that last week. Uh, but this week, what we need to do is round out that discussion. And then in some subsequent podcasts, uh, we'll continue to talk about jobs number one, two, and three. And then we will also subsequently talk about the six main philosophies of account management. So look forward to all of that. But today, let's talk about the the bank account. And I think what I want to lead off with um, in continuing to think about what does our emotional bank account look like with our clients? Um, the thing I want to start with is making deposits to withdrawals in a seven to one ratio. Yeah. That's what I'm going to start with. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's kind of the beginning topic. So that sounds kind of crazy. So what I'm suggesting there is when you think about your emotional bank account with your client, the number one thing that you need to do is actually make deposits to withdrawals in a seven to one ratio, seven Seven, to one, not one to one. Where, yeah, no. And, and, you know, it makes sense that it's not one-to-one. Um, mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way. Right. You don't. Uh, and, and I think as a general notion, on one hand, you need to keep score to make sure you understand where you stand. 
but general as a general notion, sort of the idea of keeping score of you owe me one and I owe you one, you know, is, is not, that's not the way to think about it per se. Right. And then that's where the one-on-one thing comes into play. You don't, I, you know, I, I delivered something a little extra for you today. And so tomorrow I want something back. Like it's, that's not the way you think about it. Yeah. Right? It's meant to literally explode that notion. That's why it's seven to one and it's, and it's not one to one. And that may sound um, excessive because, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, particularly in kind of business transactions, you can, you know, get this notion in your head of kind of, I pay you to do something, um, you know, the other side does what it's supposed to do. And it's kind of that, that one-to-one relationship. But what I'm suggesting here is there are some very solid psychological reasons why you should really think about it in terms of seven to one. And let's talk about what a couple of those reasons are. The first one, and probably the most important is what's called the self-serving bias. So, um, if you, it, most human beings have, a, <laughs> this is not news to anybody, but the most human beings have a self-serving bias. In other words, you overestimate your accomplishments, your contributions, the things that you do, and you underestimate the accomplishments um, of what of what others do. So it's bad enough that you have that self-serving bias. So you might do something really great for your client. Um, and, uh, or they might do something really great for you, or they, they might do something, you know, really negative for you and and vice versa. Um, but it's not just the fact that you overestimate what you've contributed to the relationship. It's, uh, it's also the fact that they underestimate what you have contributed to the relationship and they overestimate what they've contributed. So all those two things together combine to make it where if you think you're doing one-to-one in their mind, you're doing more like one to four in the wrong direction. Yeah, this is this is a means to normalize for all the, the you know, bias is the right word, but I'm trying to, you know, it's all the per, perception, right? This right. is a means of normalizing that what I do is great and what you do is okay and then vice versa and everything else. And so cut all that stuff out, throw it all on the floor. If you go with a seven to one, you're gonna be in pretty safe territory and it'll normalize for all that noise. Yeah. It's, you're almost overcompensating if that, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And, um, and it's a, and it's a notion and, and obviously we're not asking you to keep a checklist next to your desk of literally, uh, kind of favor trading of seven to one. But what we are asking is essentially, it's essentially setting a framework for yourself for how much you want to contribute to the relationship versus what your, what your client has to contribute to the relationship, right? So it's just a frame to keep in your head um, to right. think about, you know, what, what you need to do, if that makes yeah, no, sense. No, no Excel spreadsheets needed to keep track of this. <laughs> no, no right? please, That's not what please don't keep an Excel spreadsheet, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Google Sheets, I'll share it with you. Look, you owe me. You <laughs> no, owe no, no, no. Yeah, please yeah. don't. Please don't yeah. do that. Well, it's and, a frame and, for you. Right. And, and that brings up an interesting point, right? Because, well, if I maintain seven to one, then, you know, I mean, I get withdrawals. And if, and if, and if it gets up to 14 to one or 14 to two or 21 to two, right? 21 to three, I'm sticking. Like if you just stick with the numbers, man, I should be able to go in and call you, call in two or three favors next week if I need to. Well, I mean, there might be a little bit of something to that, but I, again, I wouldn't think about it uh, in that kind of reductionist way. What I think the important point is, is that 
um, you're as an account manager for, you know, that has business to business clients that you're working with on the other side of the table. It is almost inevitable that your company will require you at some point to make a withdrawal, right? Because businesses working with other businesses have things that go wrong. They have things that they need. They, um, well, there's that- all sorts of circumstances that will require withdrawal. Yeah. And so if you're not ahead on that in terms of building, if you haven't already built trust, if you haven't already made those deposits, you are now making a withdrawal to an empty bank account. And now you have a problem. There's this thing called overdraft fees. And in this particular <laughs> bank account, they're really, really expensive. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you bring up making withdrawals. That's pretty interesting. Uh, and, and when we think about those withdrawals, like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, so if we have to deliver bad news, right? You go live date slips, uh, failure to maintain SLA, right? We all have to do the report card thing if we're with, with big clients and red, yellow, or green. And when there's red on the page, we all have to say, mother may I, right? Uh, and serv- And SLA is service level agreement, if that's not a common term in your industry. It's very common in technology industries where you have things like your com- uh, computing uptime and things like that. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so how do you, and John, do we have a formula for those withdrawals? Like, is there, how do, how do we go in there and make withdrawals? Well, first of all, before we get into that, who should make the withdrawal? So I am with a technology company. Something has gotten sideways with the software upgrade, right? What There's bad news to be shared. Who shares it? What happens? Talk to me about It's the that. account manager, nine times out of 10. And, and there's a specific reason for that is because A, you've already done your job that we're talking about here and you've made so many deposits that you are the right person to make the withdrawal, right? You're the right, right person to, because you've built the trust already, you're the right person when you need that trust in order to be able to deliver bad news. So that's kind of reason number one. Reason number two is you are a representative of your company. You are um, authorized to speak for your company. And, um, and then, uh, you know, reason number three, it's, it's your responsibility, right? Now, there are times where um, a business working with another business may get in a situation where things are extremely escalated and, um, you know, the right person to deliver the message may not be the account manager. It might be uh, the chief technology officer. Or it might even be the, you know, the chief operating officer or the CEO. You know, certainly those situations do arise. However... I want to be really clear that in nine times out of 10, it is, it is the account manager. And unless you know, otherwise for certain, it is you, the, the account manager. And I want to say that very specifically because a lot of um, account managers will, you know, who likes to deliver bad news? I don't, right? Nobody does that. If, uh, if a senior leader even looks like they might step in and do it for you, there's a temptation to let them do that. That is not, that I, I would say that is not their job. It is the primary role of the account manager because you've done or you should have done all the things that we talked about in the last podcast already. And I think that's critically important to being successful in the role. Yeah, well, I also think that there are a few communication steps or flows or protocols that you should consider when you're delivering bad news. So first and foremost, does do the right people inside your organization know that we are about to have this conversation? 
Mm-hmm. Right. So depending on the size, the magnitude, you may or may not need to let people know. Um, but I know working with a startup and the, the co-founders were incredibly close to everything. And so when if you had a problem with a big client, right, this is the cornerstone client that's helping you launch the business. They certainly didn't want to hear about it from their counterpart over at the client. Yeah, that's right. Right. They didn't want that inbound call from the client saying, or if you know that that was about to happen, you better get on the horn and inform your folks you've got an incoming hot one and here's what we need to know about it and here's what we need to do about it, right? Yeah, so sometimes um, the delivering the bad news is internal as, as well as external, but it's the role of the account manager to coordinate that communication. We're going to, in some later podcasts, we're going to talk very specifically about how to um, how to go about making those kinds of communications. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely, uh, definitely some protocol to be had there. I, you know, as an account manager, I had somebody that recently came to me and said, we have something percolating over here. You might want to, uh, you might have to get involved. And he was, uh, you could tell he was somewhat, he was a little bit nervous about coming to me with this, like, hey, okay, we got a problem, everything. And so might have to, and, and this is, and he was, there was a lot of anxiety for this individual. And I just kind of looked at him and smiled and said, okay, cool. That's that's what I get paid to do. This is where I earn my money. As an account manager, there's all the delivery and the other stuff, and that's all well and good. And you get to sign the contracts and red lines and high fives and negotiate. You get to do all the fun stuff. At the end of the day, where you really earn your money, in my opinion, is when something's hitting the fan and you have to step up and say, I will take this on behalf of the organization and this is my job, right? That's exactly right. I mean, in some ways, you're hitting on something profound. For an account manager, the ability to deliver bad news and do it successfully and, and not absolutely destroy the, the relationship in the process is one of the fun, most fundamental roles um, of an account manager. And so, you know, when we get to, and the reason that we talk about this so early is that so oftentimes with our business relationships, we're, we're starting out in a backwards place. So all these other things that we're going to be talking about in this podcast um, are already backwards, right? So we, our first, uh, you know, client contact or, or recent client contact has really been around making a withdrawal, telling them some bad news, but we didn't do all of the upfront stuff around relationship building and building trust. And so now we're upside down. And so is that client going to grow with us subsequently? No, they're not going to do that, right? Because we didn't make those deposits. And so then now everything is is all messed up, right? And so that's the situation that you find yourself in as an account manager and why so many of them are reluctant to deliver bad news. But if you've, but you've done your homework ahead of time, it, it's not a problem. I'll tell you, one thing that I always try to do is, um, you know, in executive roles and management roles is get to know our client base early in the process whenever I start a new role and and try to get to know them as, as deeply as I can, M- mostly because I know I can project forward and I know that I'm going to have to deliver bad news to one of them one day, right? So I want that relationship to exist. I want them to trust me. So when I start a new role, that's one of the first things I do is try to get to know the client base as much as possible. And, th- and that's why I do, I do not want my first phone call to be with another executive to be about, uh, why we're having a technology failure of some sort. That's not the first conversation that I want to have. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've got, I think probably half a dozen stories of where, you know, like true real life, Hey, um, 
it's it's about to storm and you got to go do your thing uh and, I, and so uh I so would you t- tell a story of a example of a withdrawal that you've had to make from the yeah from the emotional bank account Sure. Uh, I worked for a technology company. We had a big client out on the West Coast, and we were doing the first ever major upgrade of our software. We were going mm-hmm. from from you know one x to two x, and there were some significant architectural changes, and we'd never done it before. And so we you know we planned and prepped, and we had all the calls internally and all the calls externally, and then it was time for it. And I flew out to California with a couple technical people and we, we kicked this thing off and a couple days in, you know, these things take time and it, and it was a day or two in and everything was looking good. And I hopped on the plane and this was a plan and I came home only to come into work on Monday and find out that it had not gone very well. It had gotten worse. Um, there were emails and things over the weekend that I was monitoring, but I didn't quite have a feel for it. So I go back uh, to work on Monday and I find myself summoned by the CEO. And he pulls me and two or three other people in the room and he pointed at each of us and said, you will be in California before the end of the day. And so we said, yeah, yeah, we will. And <laughs> I don't, is there another That's, response? <laughs> yeah, correct <laughs> boss. That sounds yeah. good. Doesn't work for me. I've got book club tonight. Um, so yeah, no, I didn't, we didn't have that conversation. So I said, okay. And so I uh, took the lead and we got everybody on an airplane and we went out there and I knew going in, like, I don't turn the wrenches. I'm not a technical guy. So I can't offer any help that way. What I can do is I can be the, um, I can be the, the filter for, for the angst and tension that is being felt. And this is going to be true throughout every organization. Our organization was stretched, stressed, their organization was stressed. And we had people that had been working on this thing. And I kid you not for 48 hours straight. Well, if you haven't slept in 48 hours, you're not performing at your best. So my job was to go in and get people to, you have to go back to the hotel and rest because you're worthless to me right now. Mr. Client, I understand. Who do you need here? I coordinated everything back. And and so it was a hot job, right? Nobody was happy. But I knew that that was my job. Like that was my job. If somebody came in and yelled at me because the donuts were stale, it was my job to go, yeah, no, that's inexcusable. I'll get more donuts. I don't know where the hell the donuts yeah. came from or who brought them in, but you're damn right. That's my fault. Yeah. You're, you're acting as the interlocutor between the two organizations. That's right. And so, you know, and, and I just, it, you know, again, recently somebody came to me and I was like, yeah, okay, you know, cool. Let's, we'll get on the phone with them. I'm going to gather all the facts and I'm going to make sure right. I know what, and are we being proactive and all that good stuff. But yeah, that's my job. You're exactly right. And I will tell you one of the things that happens to me quite often is that somebody from the technical team will come and say, you know, Hey, uh, Mr. Account manager or Mrs. Account manager, um, you know, we've got a technical problem and you need to go tell the client. I'm really sorry that this has to happen to you. And my response to that always is that's no problem. I understand. Uh, and I usually wind up saying I, I get paid to do this. Like it is part of my job when we as a company have a problem or something negative where we have to make a withdrawal, the, it's the role of the account manager to go make that withdrawal, right? There is nobody else's role. It's, it's mine. So I will, I will go do it, happily do it because not happily do it. I'm not really enjoying myself, but I will do it knowing that it is in fact my role, uh, as part of the part of being an account manager. Yeah. Um, and, 
And I think it's also it's also the account manager's responsibility to not only to take that on and say, yeah, do it willingly, but to also to do everything you can to ensure that others don't find themselves in that position. Right. I find technical team members sometimes get caught up in a little bit of that. And I'm like, hey, right. like, you know, that's not and literally that is not what we pay you to do. Right. Like, that is not what you yeah. took took this job to do. So, you know, like it's it, so it's it's just more than just a responsibility. I mean, it is the job. I just it's uh, it's something yeah. that I'm, you know. The you want to move the fulcrum as far forward as you possibly can is the way that I think about it. There are times where you'll need to have your technical team or your customer service team or, you know, whatever operational team uh, you're working with as the account manager, where you will need to have them talk directly to their counterpart because they can talk together on a level that um, only they understand. Your, Your job is to move that fulcrum as far forward as possible so that um, that, that we minimize that to the extent possible so that your team can focus on solving the problem or doing what they need to do to get through this crisis or whatever it is that they're the work that they're supposed to do. Right. So there, there are some limits to this, but it always starts and ends um, with the account manager. I'll, I'll give you another example of where this often comes up in account management where you have to go make a withdrawal. And again, it's a required withdrawal. Your company is coming to you and saying, I need you to go make this withdrawal. And it is your job as the account manager to go do it is around economics or pricing. Hmm. Right. Oh, so, isn't that a fun, isn't that a fun subject? Yeah, that's a great fun subject. So, yeah. you know, Hey, Mr. Klein, I know we've been doing, um, a great job for you lately, but um, can we have a conversation about how I need to raise your price? Yeah. Ugh. Who yeah. who enjoys that conversation? Not certainly not the account manager, and certainly not the uh, you know the client, the client on the other no, side of the table. But no. sometimes it's the business requires it. It's absolutely necessary for for whatever reason. And so that's a conversation that you have to have. I've, I remember one time I was in the middle of an extremely large contract negotiation. And uh, we'd gotten ourselves in a position where we realized uh, the initial pricing that we'd offered no longer made sense just based on the course that the contract negotiation had, had taken. And we'll tell that story in some detail and probably in a later podcast. Um, and so what we decided to do is we need to go back and uh, go back on the pricing we'd offered originally and actually raise prices, right? So you can imagine how difficult a conversation like that is. I did it, again, not happily. I'm not sure that I enjoyed it, but I did it. Um, confidently knowing that this is what the organization requires me to do. So I'm going to deliver the message um, in as straightforward a way as possible. And we're going to get through this. And um, as I often like to say, nobody's going to die. You know, this is, it's just business and, uh, and we're going to get through this. And we did. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I know in a later chapter, we'll also talk about um, how, you know, like, you you don't win it in that first conversation, right? You you in that scenario, you had to be prepared to go in there and to have a conversation, and then probably let it marinate, and then come back and revisit it. Like this is not a step up to the plate, hit the grand slam. Everybody goes into the locker room. Woo! It's not one of those. This is going right. to be a this is small ball. I'm going to bunt. I'm going to try to get on base. I'm going to just keep this right. thing rolling, and I'm going to slowly, you know, it's just slowly going to progress around the horn. It's not a, yes. it's not a, Hey man, we're raising prices. We're going up by 10%. Cool. All right. See you on the golf course. That doesn't go down like that. No, we'll talk in some later podcasts about communication techniques and how to slow roll the bad news and how to kind of outlast uh, with the bad news. We'll, we'll hit on some of those later, but there's some specific things that we'll, we'll talk about in terms of how to make a withdrawal successfully and the right way to think about it. But for day, today, 
to sort of just sum up, um, when we think about building trust, uh, when we think about building relationships, we need to build trust. When we think about building trust, we need to make more uh, deposits than withdrawals. And we need to make them in a seven to one ratio, a super excessive ratio is, is how we need to do it so that we overcome the self-serving bias. And the reason we need to do that is because we know in the future as part, because it is part of our job as account managers that we're going to have to make withdrawals. So because we know all that, we can think backwards and then it becomes super clear why trust and relationship building is job number one. And then in some later podcasts, we're going to talk about how to go about doing that. Well said, John Brown. (laughs) Thanks, Fred Fuller. That was a wonderful wrap where we are <laughs> awesome. We are awesome podcasters. So be sure to tune in for the next episode where we are going to talk about. We're going to cover the six main philosophies of account management and set ourselves up for many rich discussions of the art and science of account management. Okay. That sounds good. So, uh, For John Brown, you got Fred Fuller here. Tune in to next episode where we tell you how cool it is to be an account manager. (laughs) Till next time.